Cromwell by Matthew Arnold Synopsis Introduction The mountains and the sea, the cradles of freedom, contrasted with the birthplace of Cromwell, his childhood and youth, the germs of his future character, probably formed during his life of inaction. Cromwell, at the moment of his intended embarkation, retrospect of his past life and profligate youth, temptations held out by the prospect of a life of rest in America, how far such rest was allowable. Vision of his future, different persons represented in it. Charles I, Cromwell himself, his victories and maritime glory, Pym, Strafford, Lord, Hampton, Falkland, Milton, Charles I, Cromwell on his deathbed, his character, dispersion of the vision, conclusion. High fate is theirs, ye sleepless waves whose ear learns freedom's lesson from your voice of fear, whose spellbound sense from childhood's hour hath known familiar feelings in your mystic tone, sounds of deep import. Voices that beguile. Age of its tears and childhood of its smile. To yearn with speechless impulse to the free. And gladsome greetings of the buoyancy. High fate is theirs who, where the silent sky stoops to the soaring mountains live and die, who scale the cloud-capped height or sink to rest in the deep stillness of its sheltering breast, around whose feet the exulting waves have sung, the eternal hills their giant shadows flung. No wonders nursed thy childhood, not for thee did the waves chant their song of liberty. Thine was no mountain home where freedom's form abides enthroned amid the mist and storm, and whispers to the listening winds that swell with solemn cadence round her citadel. These had no sound for thee, that cold, calm eye, lit with no rapture as the storm swept by, to mark with shivered crest the feeling wave hide his torn head beneath his sunless cave, or hear mid circling crags the impatient cry of the pent winds that scream in agony, yet all high sounds that mountain children hear flashed from thy soul upon thine inward ear 
or freedom's mystic language storms that roar by hill or wave, the mountain or the shore. All these had stirred thy spirit and thine eye in common sight's red secret sympathy. Till all bright thoughts that hills or waves can yield decked the dull waste and the familiar field. Or wondrous sounds from tranquil skies were borne far o'er the glistening sheets of windy corn skies that, unbound by clasp of mountain chain, slope stately down and melts into the plain sounds such as us, the lone wearfaring man, caught as he journeyed from the lips of Pan. Or that mysterious cry that smote with fear, like sounds from other worlds, the Spartan's ear. While o'er the dusty plain the murmurous throng of heavens embattled myriads swept along. Say not such dreams are idle, for the man still toils to perfect what the child began. And thoughts that were but outlines time engraves deep on his life, and childhood's baby waves made rough with care became the changeful sea, stemmed by the strength of manhood fearlessly, and fleeting thoughts that on the lonely wild swept o'er the fancy of that heedless child. Perchance had quickened with a living truth the cold, dull soil of his unfruitful youth. Till with his daily life, a life that threw its shadows o'er the future, flowered and grew. With common cares unmingling and apart, haunting the shrouded chambers of his heart. To life unstirred by action, life became threaded and lightened by a track of flame, an inward light that by, with its streaming ray on the dark current of his changeless day, bound all his being with a silver chain like a swift river through a silent pain. High thoughts were his when, by the gleaming flood, with heart new-strung and stern resolve, he stood, where rode the tall dark ships whose loosened sail all idly fluttered in the eastern gale. High thoughts were his, but memory's glance the while fell on the cheerful past with tearful smile, and peaceful joys and gentler thoughts swept by like summer lightnings o'er a darkened sky. The peace of childhood and the thoughts that roam, like loving shadows round that childhood's home. Joys that had come and vanished half unknown, then slowly brightened as the days had flown. Years that were sweet or sad, becalmed or tossed on life's wild waves, the living and the lost, Youth stained with follies and the thoughts of ill, crushed 
as they rose by manhood's sterner will. Repentant prayers that had been strong to save and the first sorrow which is childhood's grave. All shapes that haunt remembrance, soft and fair, like a green land at sunset. No pleasant rest if once the rain were run. No happy slumber if the day were done. Dreams that were sweet at eve at morn were sin. With cares to conquer and a goal to win. His were no tranquil years, no languid sleep. No life of dreams, no home beyond the deep. No softening ray, no visions false and wild. No glittering hopes on life's grey distance smiled. Like isles of a sunlight on a mountain's brow. Lit by a wandering gleam, we know not how. Far on the dim horizon when the sky with glooming clouds broods dark and heavily. Then his eyes slumbered and the chain was broke. That bound his spirit and his heart awoke. Then like a kingly river, swift and strong, the future rolled its gathering tides along. The shout of onset and the shriek of fear smote like the rush of waters on his ear, and his eye kindled with the kindling fray, the surging battle and the malade All wondrous deeds the coming days should see, and the long vision of the years to be. Pale phantom hosts like shadows faint and far, councils and armies and the pomp of war. And one swayed all who wore a kingly crown until another rose and smote him down. A form that towered above his brother men. A form he knew, but it was shrouded then with stern, slow steps, unseen yet still the same. By leaguered tower and tented field it came. By Naseby's hill, or Marston's heathy waste. By Worcester's field, the warrior vision passed. From that deep base, thy beetling cliffs, Dunbar rang as he trode them with the voice of war. The soldier kindled at his words of fire. The statesman quailed before his glance of ire. Worn was his brow with cares no thought could scan. His step was loftier than the steps of man, and the winds told his glory, and the waves sonorous witness to his empire gave. What forms are these that with complaining sound and slow reluctant steps are gathering round? Forms that with him shall tread life's changing stage, cross his lone path, or share his pilgrimage. There, as he gazed, a wondrous band, they came, Pym's look of fate, and the Strafford's glance of flame. There, Lord, with noiseless steps and glittering eye and priestly garb, a frail old man went by, his drooping head bowed meekly on his breast. His hands were folded like a saint at rest. There Hampton bent o'er his saddle bow, and death's cold dews bedimmed his earnest brow, still turned to watch the battle, 
still forgot himself his sufferings in his country's lot. There Falkland eyed the strife that would not cease, shook back his tangled locks and murmured, Peace! With feet that spurned the ground low, Milton there stood like a statue, and his face was fair, fair beyond human beauty, and his eye, that knew not earth, soared upwards to the sky. He, too, was there. It was the princely boy, the child companion of his childish joy. But, oh, how changed those death-like creatures wore childhood's bright glance and sunny smile no more. That brow so sad, so pale, so full of care, what trace of careless childhood lingered there, what spring of youth in that majestic mien, so sadly calm, so kingly, so serene. No, all was changed, the monarch wept alone, between a ruined church and a shattered throne, friendless and hopeless like a lonely tree, on some bare headland straining mournfully. That long its weary moan doth make to the vexed waters of a mountain lake. Still, as he gazed, the phantom's mournful glance shook the deep slumber of his death-like trance, like some forgotten strain that haunts us still, that calm I followed, turn him where he will, till the pain monarch and the long array passed like a morning mist in tears away. Then all his dream was troubled, and his soul thrilled with a dread no slumber could control. On that dark form his eyes had gazed before, nor known it then, but it was veiled no more. In broad, clear light the ghastly vision shone. That was... that form was his. Those features were his own. The night of terrors and the day of care, the years of toil, all were written there. Sad faces watched around him, and his breath came faint and feeble in the embrace of in the in the embrace of death. The gathering tempest with its voice of fear, his latest loftiest music smote his ear. That day of boundless hope and promise high, that day that hailed his triumphs, saw him die. Then, from those whitening lips, as his death drew near, the imprisoning chains fell off, and all was clear, like lowering clouds, that, at the close of day, bathed in a blaze of sunset, sunset melt away. And with its clear, calm tones, that dying prayer cheered all the failing hearts that sorrowed there. A life whose ways no human thought could scan. A life that was not as the life of man. A life that wrote its purpose with a sword, molding itself in action, not in words. Rent with tumultuous thoughts whose conflict rung deep through his soul and choked his faltering tongue, a heart that wrecked not of the soundless dead, that strewed the blood-stained path where empire led, a daring hand that shrunk not to fulfil 
the thought that spurred it, and a dauntless will, bold action's parent, and a piercing ken through the dark chambers of the hearts of men. To read each thought and teach that master mind the fears and hopes and passions of mankind. All these were thine, O thought of fear, and thou stretched on that bed of death art nothing now. Then all his vision faded, and his soul sprang from its sleep, and lo, the waters roll once more beneath him, and the fluttering sail, where the dark ships rode proudly, wooed the gale, and the wind murmured round him, and he stood once more alone beside the gleaming flood.